What happens when God finally decides to judge? We're going to find out today when we study Revelation chapter 8. This is Pastor Greg, and I'm coming to you with Life 66. Life 66 is a podcast uh, studying the Word of God, knowing that we can base our life on the 66 books of the Bible. And we're studying the Revelation, the final book of the Bible. It's a powerful book. It's a, it's a unique book. Um, it is the only book in the entire Bible where it says, if you read it, there's a special blessing, chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, it, it's hard to believe when you start to look at chapter 8 that there's a blessing for those who believe, but there is, especially in the midst or in spite of in the midst of such intense, intense judgment. So I'm glad you're here to study this chapter. If you got your Bibles, open them up, Revelation chapter 8. Let's get some background. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 19, remember we have the outline of the entire book where it says to, uh, where God says to John, write the things that you have seen, the things that are, and the things to come. So you've got this outline, past, present, future. And this is future stuff, even for today. Uh, chapter 8 um, begins things that we have never seen before. Uh, quite likely some of the things in chapter 6 and chapter 7 as well, uh, but certainly in chapter 8, um, there is there is absolute certainty that this is still in our future. I think at the end of chapter 6, where there's this great earthquake and the kings ask the earth to fall on it, that chapter 6 also is probably still in our future as well, or I think certainly it is. Um, but it, it is a fascinating, fascinating chapter. When we last left the plagues in chapter 6, we saw men hiding in caves and crevices and in rocks pleading for death, but death would elude them. There had been war, violence, murder, famine, economic upheaval, disease, and those are the seal uh, judges. Remember the, the scroll, the title deed of the world that was presented uh, in chapter 5 is able to be opened by the Lamb of God. And remember, the title deed is sealed with seven different seals. And as each one uh, was opened, a new part of the revelation was, was revealed. And uh, so when you get to these, tr- these uh, trumpet judgments, the seventh seal here in chapter 8 and the first four trumpet judgments, there's some conjecture as to, you know, are the seven trumpets concealed in the seventh seal, and then likewise are the seven bowls to follow, are they concealed in the seventh trumpet? No really way to know. The, the, um, the important thing is that these things will happen. That's the thing. You know, how the trumpets work, the seals work, the bowl judgments work, uh, there's you know different opinions. Um, but what's written here will occur, and that's really where we've got to uh, to land and to make sure that we spend our time thinking here. Um, after the sixth seal, there's this break, and then we see the seventh seal here in chapter eight. It's going to be the same with the trumpets. When the trumpets are done um, in chapter nine, there'll be a, a break, and we'll see a break of chapter 10, 11, 12, uh, 13, and 14. And then in chapter 15, there's the last. Uh, section of plagues that God sends on the earth to judge the earth. When you read this, it's crazy stuff. God is not messing around, and it's hard to believe that this is going to occur on our planet, but it really is. And you would think 
after you read these chapters, that people would just you know, cry out to God to save them. But the fascinating thing is that they don't. They do just the opposite. The more God sends judgment, the more people dig in their heels and they harden their heart against God. So we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with that. Let's jump into chapter 8, and uh, let me go ahead and read the chapter for you, and then we'll look at it verse by verse. Verse 1 of chapter 8. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense uh, to offer with the prayers with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censure, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it onto the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the seven angels who had been given the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet. And a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on a, and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter and many people died from the water, waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light and also a third of the night. As I watched, an angel that was flying in midair, calling out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Or excuse me, I said angel, an eagle that was flying in midair, cried out, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. This is powerful stuff. I pray that the Lord would help us to understand. So let's go back to the beginning of chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. After the sixth seal, the seventh seal is opened, and there's silence. It says for about a half an hour. Now, silence can be very dramatic. It can be more dramatic even than the wrath. Now, the wrath is violent, and and it's it's, uh, incredible with earthquakes and rumblings and lightnings and destruction. But then suddenly when there's quietness... Maybe you've watched a movie where uh, the music uh, intensifies and the scenes get tense, but then there's silence. And that can add even more drama when people say, it's too quiet. It's, it's just something's going on. It's too quiet. And we've just heard the voices of the multitude in chapter 7 and the angels in loud voices proclaiming the glory of God and the Lamb, this booming dramatic praise and worship, and then suddenly silence. And it's dramatic. Why the silence? The drama and intensity that God is is creating before the seven trumpets? 
um, silent because they're waiting for God to command that nothing happens until God commands it. Uh, maybe just a, uh, a stillness as the prayers of the saints reach heaven. I mean, there's there's no way to know why exactly there's silence except for that's what the scripture says. And it's this break between the uh, upheaval and uh, wrath of God from the seven seals and then just prior to the seven trumpets that get just so much worse. The prayer of the saints are are, are highlighted here in the first few verses. Um, when everything stands still, or, or excuse me, when a believer prays, does heaven stand still to listen? We know God hears our prayers. We know he responds to our prayers. And are the needs of his people so important that God gives those prayers his undivided attention? I think so. I don't know if heaven stands still, but God certainly hears them all. And as the prayers go up, it's this dramatic look of their silence and then the prayers uh, intermingled with the incense. Now it says there are seven angels who stand before God and they're given the seven trumpets. And uh, there's a, a group of writings that we call the Apocrypha. Uh, as... Um, Christian believers, we do not accept the, the Apocrypha into our Bible. Uh, those of the Catholic tradition do accept the Apocrypha. And they are books that were written between the Testaments. Between the Old and the New Testament, there's about a 400-year period. And these Apocryphal writings come from that 400-year period. But in one of those uh, Apocryphal books, it's written that these seven angels actually have names. Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael, uh, Raguel, uh, Serakil, and Phanuel. Now, whether or not those are the real names of these seven angels, we don't know. Uh, as like I said, we don't hold to uh, those apocryphal books as being um, trustworthy uh, to include in Scripture. But it's an interesting uh, observation that in Enoch 27 of the Apocrypha, it's listed there. Trumpets are used for Many things in the Bible, there are just uh, numerous uh, references to trumpets in the scriptures. Um, some of the reasons for a trumpet blast would be to gather the people, uh, a trumpet blast to get attention in order to announce uh, something important, uh, the blast of a trumpet to announce going into battle. And there would be different kinds of trumpet blasts that would communicate different things to the people. Just for an example, these aren't the actual blasts, but say there'd be a long uh, blast and then a short one to follow. Uh, you know That might mean, pay attention, there's an announcement. Or maybe three blasts would mean gather for battle. Um, again, I'm not saying that's what Scripture says about the blast, but that's an example of how trumpet blasts would communicate something. And so these uh, angels are given trumpets to sound off and then with each one, we're going to see an incredible uh, plague upon the earth. And there are different kinds of trumpets. There's a shofar, which is the ram's horn. And then there's a, the temple trumpet, which is a long silver trumpet. Um, and these are where the shofar was used to sound an alarm uh, as the trumpets were blasted to surround Jericho, um, to, to sound a fanfare when a king uh, would enter or royalty would enter the city. Uh, a sound of victory would be a long blast. Um, we see in the scripture when they would blast the trumpets to throw the enemy into a panic. 
to celebrate the feasts, to gather to fast and pray, to gather to worship. And maybe the most dramatic trumpet blast will be that at the very end when the final trumpet is sounded. And that's a gathering trumpet. That's the gathering of all God's people to himself for all of eternity. The, the last trumpet, the day of the Lord. So I can't wait to hear that trumpet. That's another lesson for another time, but these are given, these angels are given trumpets. So now verse three to five, uh, there's this altar before the throne. It's the golden altar of incense just outside the most holy place. Now remember, there's no altar of sacrifice in heaven. There's no need for sacrifice in heaven. Jesus has already been the sacrifice. So this is um, a, a, uh, a picture of the, uh, the temple and and the functions of the temple in kind of a metaphorical way. Uh, there's a censure in the temple, and it's a small pan with a handle on it. Think of like a fireplace scoop, uh, but it's golden, and it was used to, to scoop ashes or to burn incense upon it. And the burning incense uh, would be the frankincense that you might uh, recall that from the Magi's gifts to Jesus, um, that, that intercessory fragrance uh, as, it, as it would go up to heaven, representing the prayers of the saints. And every morning and evening, the priest would offer this incense on the altar um, as a, a, a symbol and to represent the prayers of God's people. Uh, some interpret the angel that is offering these incense as Jesus, as he stands before the throne. But I disagree with that. Um, remember, Jesus is the one opening the scroll. Uh, and he's called the Lamb of God. He's not called an angel. Uh, and this is, in this word, uh, when it says another angel in verses 3 to 5, the Greek word for another is another of the same kind. In other words, this is another angel of the same kind of the, uh, the angels that were given the trumpets. Uh, so that clearly could not refer to Jesus when we looked at the Greek language. Um, so he takes this censure, he fills it with coals, and he and the and the he lights the the incense and it goes up to uh, heaven like the prayers of the saints. But then it says he takes the the censure and he fills it with fire from the altar, the same altar that he's burning the incense, he's burning the coals. He fills it with fire and he throws it down upon the earth. Now, this is where we start getting into: is it literal? This like firefall from heaven. You know, down onto the earth. Um, this is what the scripture says, and again, we don't uh, take things metaphorically unless the scripture says so. Uh, however, we don't know what this looks like. Um, when God sent fire on the Egyptians uh, in Exodus, did it fall like you know coals of fire from from the sky? How, what did it look like? Well, we weren't there. We don't know. But uh, uh, but this fire is hurled down, and when it is hurled down. It results in thunder, lightning, rumblings, uh, like you know, like a tremendous dynamite blast, uh, and an earthquake results. And it's a powerful scene to realize that when the prayers of the saints go up, God's answer is returning in wrath. The Lord's prayer said, in the middle of it, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." That when we pray, God responds. And God now, after hundreds and thousands of years of God's people crying out for justice, 
and for the return of the Lord, it's finally coming. And he is going to return. But before he does, he is going to judge the earth. Different than when he judged it in Noah's day. He will never judge the earth again by water, by flood. But he's going to judge it in an amazingly dramatic way here. So verse 6 to 13, let's look at these four trumpets. As we look at them, trumpets 1 through 4 in chapter 8, they involve plagues on the earth. In trumpets 5 through 6, these are more demonic in nature. We'll get to that next time. And they're against men. Where the first four are against the earth, they affect men, but they are directly related to damaging the earth. And trumpets 5 and 6 are um, damaging to men themselves and women themselves. Then trumpet 7, similar to seal 7, is praise and worship and glory to God. Uh... The plagues in Egypt were literal. So when many say, well, these are just metaphorical. These aren't real plagues on the earth. Well, each one of them lines up with one of the plagues of Egypt. And those plagues were real. There's nothing that, that, that I can find in Scripture that would say that these are uh, idiomatic or metaphorical, but they're real. So let's look at them. The first trumpet uh, in uh, verse... Number six is the first trumpet blew his trumpet and hail and fire fell to the earth with the addition of blood. Reminiscent of the seventh plague in Exodus 9 when hail uh, that turned to fire came upon the earth. And look what happens when that first trumpet is blown. One third of the earth is burned up. One third of the trees and all the green grass Think of it for a moment. Think of all the green grass on the entire planet just burned, turned to coal, turned to ashes, scorched, dark. I've seen fields when there's been a fire, a wildfire, and it's it's sobering to see what was once beautiful is now black from the fire that swept over it. Now realize that if a third of the earth is burned, a third of the trees are burned, and a third of all the grass or uh, and all the grass is burned, this has a tremendous effect on the food supply, both for humans and for animals. That we depend on the fruit from trees and the and the uh, the different um, uh, uh, you know nuts and 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 etc. that come from our trees. Uh, the oxygen is affected. We know we get from from plants and trees we get oxygen. With all the green grass burned up, the animals feed. On the grass, the quality of life is going to be dramatically affected, and uh, you know this one third of the Earth is it one third in a localized area, like one third of the Middle East or one third all over the globe? Well, it says the Earth, and so we've got to stand with that. I mean, you know, would we be lucky if we lived in the two thirds that didn't get burned up? Um, it's really hard to imagine, but uh, we're going to. If we're here on the earth still, uh, depending on your theology about the rapture, um, this is going to be an amazing, an amazing time. Um, my particular view is that these things uh, still um, uh, come before the rapture. I could be wrong on that. I'm not standing firm on it. Uh, but the people of God, um, they, they escape God's wrath. Remember, we never as Christians experience God's wrath that the wrath has already been placed on Jesus Christ. And by our accepting Jesus, uh, we're free from that wrath. 
So that leads me to believe that we likely will not be around you know, during this time. But some of the next chapters may give rise to some different thoughts. Um, remember, hail and fire and brimstone were also poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah. And God always uses hail as a form of judgment. Isaiah 28, Job 38, etc. So what an amazing beginning to these trumpets as hail and uh, fire mixed with blood. Don't forget the blood part, mixed with blood. I mean, what does that look like as it comes down from the sky and then begins to uh, just scorch the earth? Well, trumpet two, it, gets, it starts to build momentum. It says something like a huge mountain. I don't even know how to think about that. Is it a meteor? Is it, uh, you know, what is this thing that comes down from the sky and just crashes into the earth? It says it's all ablaze and it, it come, falls into the sea. And when it falls into the sea, the waters turn to blood. Of course, we remember the first plague in Egypt when God cursed the waters. It says one third of the sea becomes blood. One third of the sea life is killed and one third of the ships are destroyed. Now it says in the sea, uh, what sea is that? Is this the seas all over the wor- world? Is it the sea of Met- the Mediterranean Sea where you know, all these dramatic things occur in, in uh, Israel? Hard to tell. And again, when I teach this, I don't try to pretend I know the, all these you know, questions. To me, one of the most foolish things you could do is try to assume what the word says and make up your own definitions and make up your own answers. And I'm not about to do that. I just accept that for what it says and do my study elsewhere and try to find the connecting uh, dots. It says the sea, which sea we don't know. Could it be the Mediterranean? Sure, it could be. Um, uh, the globe is being judged. So would it be you know the oceans? Um, you know, we just don't know. But what we do know, one third turns to blood. And one third of the sea life is killed. That's going to be a powerful judgment upon the earth. As all the grass is gone, a third of the trees, and now a third of the waters, and a third of the sea life. And don't forget, a third of the ships, that there are thousands of ships on the water these days. And suddenly a third of them are destroyed. They just, they're just burned up. Amazing. What, what will that look like? How will that affect the, the, the countries that depend on the sea life, those that, that depend on the fishing industry, uh, those that depend on the shipping industry? Right now we've got you know, the shipping concerns and the supply chain concerns in, in the world. Well, what happens if a third of the ships are suddenly destroyed? Think of the, of the domino effect of how that's going to change the way we, we live our lives. We get to th- trumpet number three. And a great star blazing like a torch falls from the sky and it affects the rivers and springs. Realize that the first one affects the salt water, the sea life, the, the ocean, so on. This one now affects the fresh water, our drinking water. It says one third of the springs and waters were turned bitter so that many people died. Our drinking water gets affected and many, many people are going to die from drinking this bitter water. It says now the name of this um, star that strikes the waters and turns them bitter is called wormwood. Um, Exodus 15 uh, gives us some some indication of what this is. It creates a bitter taste from the uh, from the her- herb uh, Artemisia absinthium. 
Jeremiah 9, 23, Lamentations 3, Amos 5. Uh, there's some references here. Uh, Ray Stedman, in his study uh, a number of years ago, uh, said that there is a Russian word and for wormwood, which is Chernobyl. If you remember uh, many years ago, the nuclear reactor meltdown in the city of Chernobyl that threatened the water supplies, and it was just this really uh, intense disaster. And many thought that this trumpet was being played out right there. Uh, of course, it didn't happen. Um, but the, fe- the, the, the bottom line here is that our drinking water will be affected, and people will die as a result of the waters turning uh, bitter. Think of it, one-third. We, we've been going through drought here in California and having to cut back. Nothing like this when one-third of the supply is gone. Um, you know, Many would say, is this a meteor? Or maybe some want to conjecture, is this a nuclear missile? Uh, you know, we don't know. You can guess all you want, um, but just think if you know, one-third of our rivers in the United States are suddenly gone, you can't use them to drink. Uh, this is going to affect us tremendously. And finally, number four, um, with the blowing of this trumpet, a third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. This relates to the ninth plague uh, of Egypt in Exodus chapter 10. Now then it was only three days that it stayed dark. Here, it doesn't appear that it, there's an end. Once it's dark, it's dark. Now I realize this, the darkness is not complete. It's one third and is that like one-third of the sun is darkened? Uh, or is it one-third of the sun's illumination? So that, you know, picture if you had a dimmer switch. Is the dimmer switch on the sun and the moon and the stars just reduced by one-third so that the brightest it can get is one-third less than it used to be? So you've got kind of this dull darkness over the earth? Or is it, you know, literally one-third just goes black and all that's left is... Uh, two thirds. I tend to lean toward the, you know, one third darker, uh, like the dimmer switch idea. Don't know if I'm right. It's just where I tend to lean. So that there's this just kind of dingy, dark atmosphere over the earth while the drinking water is being, has been affected, while the sea life has been affected, while the, a third of the trees and all the green grass has been affected. This is intense. Think of what the world would be like. I don't. I can't even imagine. I truly hope I'm not here for all this because it is just crazy time. But God is making it very clear who the Lord is. Not man. We, as, as much as we need to take care of our environment and as much as we need to do our part to make sure we care for the planet and the creation that God has given us, um, listen, he's the one in charge and he's the one who's going to bring destruction. Not because of some global warming uh, we don't have the power to destroy what God has made. God, though, is going to judge, and he will bring his wrath upon the earth and upon the people of the earth. Um, he's the creator, and he's going to let everybody know that he's the creator. This is tragedy that's going to happen. And as this tragedy occurs, there's this flying eagle that that John, the author, sees. And he cries out, whoa, 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 because there's three more left. And as we get into chapter 9 next time, these three are even more intense than the, than the four we've just looked at. So final thought I want to leave with you today is 
why after all this, and we're going to see in a couple chapters, do the people still resist God? I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm thinking he's powerful. I'll choose him. But people won't do it. God's going to judge the earth and he's going to judge the people of the earth. And when he does, people are going to harden their heart. That breaks my heart. That people will not run to the, to the God who is so powerful. They'll run away from him. They'll even want to fight him. That their, their hearts are so hard. Their minds are so calloused and their eyes are so blind. Jesus at one time wanted to gather the people like a hen gathering their chicks. But they were not willing. Now it's time for judgment. And it's not a glorious day, it's a sad day. My question for each one of us is, are we willing to submit today? Lest at some point in our future we find ourselves looking at God face to face and instead of running to him like a father, we want to fight him like an enemy. I hope that's not you. We'll dive in, do your own study of chapter 8. There's so many amazing things to look at there. We've just kind of skimmed it. Uh, but uh, join us again next time when we look at the five, fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpets in chapter 9. This is Pastor Greg signing out. Life 66. God bless. <laughs>